Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first ever Four Lads Had a Dream live podcast. My name's Stevie Clifford, and joining us tonight is regular sidekick, Mr. Chris Jack, senior sports writer for the Evening Times and Sunday Herald Group. Chris, how are you, mate? Hi, Stevie. Thanks for having us on. Good to be here. Also making his pod debut is Andy Newport from the PA News Agency. Andy, how are you, mate? Very well. Thanks for having us on. Thanks to both for joining us and thanks to everyone for tuning in. This is a bit of an impromptu thing. We don't normally do it live. So be prepared for anything to happen. Dogs barking, kids coming down asking to use the toilet are all possibilities. Um, And we're going to gloss over um, Sunday's result very quickly. Nobody really wants to spend a lot of time listening um, to that, I'm sure. Uh, We're going to talk about Rangers transfer window. We're going to talk about whether or not we've done the right thing. Um, we're going to talk about whether or not um, Rangers have spent their money wisely and we'll talk about some of the more wilder transfer rumours that we've had, some of the more wilder transfer stories and of course Casper Kent will come up in there somewhere. Chris, we'll start with yourself. Um, The window, 12 million spent. What's your immediate thoughts on Rangers and their transfer business? I think any transfer window you go into, if you come out of it stronger, you have to say it's been a success. And I think if you look at the business that Rangers have done, both in and out, you have to say that the, the squad and the team is in a stronger position than it was at the start of the summer. Obviously, there were certain targets they had to wait a wee bit longer for, or right up until midnight last night uh, to get Ryan Kent in. But I think if you look at the business that uh, Stephen Gerrard's done, he's addressed you know, weaknesses in the squad at, at centre-half. He's added strength in the middle of the park. I think, importantly, he's managed to hold on to his two best players in James Tavernier and Alfredo Morelos. Losing either of those two would have been a huge blow for Rangers. So I think holding on to those two and getting in uh, guys that got uh, some good experience, but also guys that have got a bit of value in the transfer market moving forward, I think overall it's been a fairly uh, positive summer for Rangers. And Andy, what about yourself? What's your immediate thoughts now that the transfer window has slammed shut? I agree with Chris in the sense that the squad's definitely stronger. Um, competition has has went up. You've seen that them and Gerard's been able to rotate the squad and, and bring in some of the sort of might call fringe players. They've been able to come in and, and you know hold up their end and get results. But I think the concern will be that if you include Davis and Kent as being guys that were here last season of the the new arrivals, only perhaps Aribo and Ojo have really made an impact in terms of making what you would call themselves become first-team uh, members. Um, a lot of guys that come in here are just, yeah, they're, they're an improvement of what was there before in terms of the reserves, but that's what they're there to be. They're there to be reserves. Your, your Greg Hasties, or your, uh, sorry, your Jake Hasties, your, your Greg Stewart's, Edmondson. You know, I mean, I don't really see them dislodging guys that were in the team at the, at the end of last season. So that might be the concern that of all the, I think it was, what, 11 uh, signings, nine new arrivals of the nine new arrivals, only maybe one or two of them have actually managed to force themselves into a, a regular sort of starting slot. I think that'll be the concern that, yeah, there's been a, a big turnover again, but how many of them guys are actually coming in to become quality additions to the starting 11? It's a fair point. One of the, the things that Rangers said at the start of the transfer window, Mark Allen was quoted in saying it's very much going to be quality over quantity. I suppose you could argue the quality comes um, in the shape of 
Hellander, Davis, Aribo, and Ryan Kent. The, the, the question marks are, are going to be on, on how much of an influence the likes of Brandon Barker, Greg Stewart, Jordan Jones, um, Jake Hasty, George Edmondson is going to play. These guys perhaps will, will have more of a say as, as the season goes on. Chris, just to address it at first, um, Philippe Hellander, uh, Hollander and George Edmondson, an outlay of, of approximately kind of 4.2 million. Rangers have upgraded from Joe Worrell and um, Gareth McCauley. Yeah, sorry, I was couldn't get remember that. Um, in terms of in terms of that, there's obviously been an upgrade. Um, is it possible that Rangers are being surprised by Nico Katic's form? Um, and do you think there's there's now possibly more of a threat to Connor Goldson's position in terms of Katic is obviously smashing it out of the park at the moment, but Kat, um, but Goldson. Been a bit ropey. He's, he, he had a poor game on on Sunday. Um, cost us the first goal. Is it more of a case now that um, Rangers could be looking to perhaps it's Katic plus one instead of Goldson plus one? What's your thoughts there? I think that should be the case going forward. I think uh, Big Nico has done nothing to deserve uh, losing his place in the team once once Stephen decides that Nohalander is up to speed and he's the one that he wants in in the side. I think it should be Katic and, and Hollander as your first two. And that's not a just a knee-jerk reaction to uh, what happened on Sunday. As you were saying, I don't think Goldson has... He's not started the season badly. I don't think he's been that great. He's certainly not been as good as, as Katic. He doesn't offer you the same threat in another uh, box as, as Katic does, even though he got the goal down at uh, Kelly in the first day of the season. Uh, and I think if, if you're looking for that, that balance in the team... You really want a left-footed centre-half. And Stephen said that when uh, Philip Hollander came in, he wanted a right-footed one and a left-footed one. So if that's going to be the case and you're spending uh, £3 million on him to bring him from Serie A, you're assuming that at some point Hollander has to come into the team and get a chance to really nail down a slot. It then goes down to who who partners him. And I think the, the strongest one at the moment would be Katic playing on his proper side and Hollander playing on his. Um, whether that happens or not, and I mean... I remain to be convinced now. Stephen has a lot of faith in Conan Goldson, a lot of trust in Conan Goldson, and over the piece, he's not somebody that's let him down that often. Uh, so I think it'll be really interesting over the next uh, couple of weeks after the international break how the how the Rangers back four actually settles down and how it shapes up. Andy, um, George Edmondson came in in pre-season and and he, he looked he, he looked. Fairly impressive. He had a decent ton of um, pace, and he looked commanding, good in the tackle, good in the air. He's 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 went back down to, to fourth choice, which wasn't overly surprising. Um, but there's been a shout from a few um, to say that his pace is maybe something that, that could be used in centre defence. Do you see him coming in at all? Um, do you see him displacing um, Katic or Goldson or or? Hillander, or is it going to be simply a case of the more the season goes on, the more games there is, these boys will get their chance? Um, or do you think that, that Gerard maybe learned from last season chopping and changing his centre-backs and it's going to be a bit of a wait for him? No, I think, to be honest, I think Gerard will be reserved in terms of Edmondson. I don't see him particularly playing a lot. I think this is maybe more of a season where it's just about him finding his feet at a big club, the expectations of it, the, the pressure of that. But I don't particularly see him playing you know, 20 or 30 games a season. Um, I think with Katic, you saw on Thursday night, 
the potential of the boy. He was absolutely sensational Thursday night. He, you know, the bit in injury time after Morelos scores and he heads three headers out the box that just absolutely kill off Legia's threat. But then you move four days on to Sunday and as much as Chris is quite correct with the, the, the sort of the goal stems from Golson giving the ball away, Katic makes a positional mistake in the sense that he steps up and I think that just shows you the risk of what happens when you play with young centre-halves. They're going to make mistakes. Um, Gerard already this season has, has not been shy at pointing the finger of blame at uh, Katic when he makes mistakes. He did it against uh, it was a Hibs game when Scott Allen um, played the ball in behind. Katic after Hayden Flanagan has sort of stepped out. So I think what you'll find with Katic is that he comes in and out of the team. Um, not perhaps as as much to the extent as he was last year when he just got bombed out after the Warhol appeared in the uh, Villarreal. But I think we'll finally be dipped in and out. And I think it'll be Hollander will be dipped in and out. I think Chris is quite right when he said about Goldson. He's, Goldson's very much Stephen Gerrard's man. He trusts him. You heard him speaking about him a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago at a press conference. He was, you know, he, he holds him up in that sort of high regard alongside your McGregor's and your, your Steve Davies. He's, he has his implicit trust. Yeah, OK, he made a mistake at the, the, at the weekend, but that's what happens when you, you're trying to sort of play out from the back. Um, I would see Edmondson more coming in cup games, lower league uh, opposition, the odd game at Ibrooks, um, perhaps the odd game away if it's not particularly uh, troublesome opposition, but I wouldn't expect him to be a regular. I think it'll be more Katic, uh, Goldson and... Hollander sort of rotating the three with, with Edmondson getting the odd wee bit of action here and there. One of the, the major talking points of, um, of of this summer has been left-back situation. Scott Robertson asked us tonight, um, he says a much-discussed um, left-back situation. He feels it's still handicapping us. Doesn't think Barisic has got the heart for it. Flanagan... Um, describes as a stopgap, which I think that's quite kind of harsh on Flanagan. Um, Andy Halliday's obviously um, fits in as, as kind of utility man in the squad. Is it fair to say that Rangers haven't addressed this problem at left back, or is it harsh to say there is a problem considering how Flanagan played at the weekend? Um, and Matt, I thought he'd done a, a terrific job on, on James Forrest. Could it be more advantageous to? Flanagan with having Kent in front of him now because on Sunday he had absolutely nobody in front of him. If he's got a proper left-sided winger, um, perhaps he's going to come on. Or is it time just to say, look, Barisic is a, a Croatian international. Yes, he's, he's looked... he's looked. At times, he, it maybe looks like the, the jersey's too big for him. Chris, what, what's your thoughts on left-back? What would you do? To be honest with you, I'm not quite sure what I would do. Uh, that's why Stephen Gerrard's on far more money than me to make these decisions right enough. I think, see if, if you could combine aspects of all three, you would have a cracking left-back on your hands, but all, all three options that you've got there, Barisic, Halliday and uh, Andy Halliday uh, and John Flanagan, now you're, there's obviously faults there with, with all of them. There is no perfect scenario there. I think Flanagan will play more often than not. Andy Hardy is also the working backup one. I think he'll find his game time limited, even perhaps even more so than last year. And it's in between Flanagan and, and Barisic. But I don't think there's a real first choice there. I was surprised that Rangers didn't try and move Barisic on. Uh, I don't think he'd that great a first season. And I, but he's also one 
that you wouldn't lose any money on. You look at somebody like Grayzler coming in, you think you'll probably never get your money back on him. But as you as you say, Stevie, Barisic, Croatian internationalist, he's got a good pedigree. He's clearly got something about him. He maybe just isn't the left back the Rangers are looking for. I think they wouldn't have lost any money on him. They'd be able to get what they paid for him to eject back and then go and try and reinvest. But Stephen seems to be fairly fairly content with the options that he's got. He seems happy to rotate the, the guys that he's got. Um, so not completely surprised that they didn't, but I think a lot of the fans would have been uh, looking at that left-back position and thinking, if we can go and get another one in, go and get a, a higher-quality one in that provides you better defensively uh, than Barisic, but more offensively than Flanagan, that's then the kind of missing part of the team. So interesting to see how that how that unfolds over the next couple of weeks and, and who really starts to kind of nail down that uh, left-back spot. I don't think there's MD so far has, has made a play for it, and you can say, yes, they'll start more often than not. Andy, to put you on the spot, um, have Rangers made a mistake not addressing the left-back situation? I think if you are bringing in nine new players and you've already addressed that last season the left-back was an issue, then it's probably something that that should have been dealt with. Um, but the fact when you look at, you've already got three bodies that can play in there, I think it comes down to you need to get guys out the door first and I think Gerard having a you know he, he probably looked at Kat uh, sorry Barisic um, over the summer playing for Croatia against Wales against Gareth Bale and, that, and really had quite a good game and that must make you think well there must be something in this guy that you know you can get a tune out of him I mean he, everyone remembers the game for Aussie Jack um, when he was you know a real thorn in Rangers side for those those two qualifiers and you think well there's got to be something there but. For whatever reason, he's just not taken to the Scottish game. He's not been able to, you know, get himself forward and get him. It's the confidence, I think, is the, the big issue. I mean, he just he gets himself in these areas, and you know, perhaps in the games when he was with Aussie Jacob, the first couple of weeks when he was at Rangers, he would just take a touch and deliver a ball. But he's not doing that. He seems to be cutting back a lot, an awful lot, and I don't think he's, he's taken to the, the physical side of the league either. So, I think Jared had hoped all summer that. This might be, if he can get a wee bit of confidence in him over pre-season, you, you might see him coming in and um, showing what he's really worth. But all that sort of just seemed to evaporate that game at Rugby Park when he had a really sort of poor game. And, you know, since then it's been, right, OK, if we can get Flanagan back in, then that's uh, a stopgap or it's, you know, it holds up that end of the park. But as you see at the weekend, you know, as good as he is, you know, at nullifying uh, like the threats of like James Forrest producing when, when he gets forward in his four positions, that the inability to use his left foot is a real sort of negative in, in his, his armory. And unless you can find a way to get guys round about him quicker, that he can link up with them, then often you just see him sort of turning over the ball. And that's been a, I think that'll be a constant theme unless you can find uh, a way to either get embarrassed, confident back in the team or, or, or a tactical system that allows you make the most of, of Flanagan perhaps you know maybe Ken is, is the option for that something else that's happened um, from last season and, and it's been a kind of bone of contention for the for the support is that Rangers have have went from having Middleton Kent Candace and Gresda and we've now got a situation where obviously Ojo's come in um Middleton's went out on loan Gresda's completely out of the picture no future at the club um, Kent's only just arrived back. People have, have kind of said that the arrival of, of Jones, um, the arrival of, of Stewart, if you take him to be a kind of wider, more central 
kind of Arfield type and one of those three up front. Um, Jake Hasty has obviously come in and immediately went back out the door as well. People's argument now that we're actually weaker going forward. Um, Ojo, we, we, Ojo needs to be given time, in, in my opinion, to kind of... He's, he's shown glimpses of, of brilliance, but um, I think like any typical winger, he's, he's going to be a bit um, kind of up and down in his game. Andy, do you think that Rangers, that there is a, a concern that we're maybe not as strong going forward in the, in the wider positions? And do you think that um, something that Jack Witts has kind of asked us on, on Twitter as well, do you think that Candace leaving has is, is ha- is, is hampered James Tavernier at right back? No, I mean, when it comes to Candace, I mean, as much as he was, his work rate was terrific. I mean, you just have to look at various points throughout the season last year where his lack of quality really let down. I mean, remember with the European games, I can't remember, it might have been uh, Moscow at home, it might have been where he, he gets down the right and he throws this aimless ball across the box where he has a simple sort of cutback for, I think it must have been Morelos to score on. How vital could that have been if, if, if he pulled that one off? Um, so I think they were right to, to try and improve on that. I mean, I, I don't think Rangers are worse off than they were last season. I just don't know how much further forward they are. I mean, that'll be the concern across all the positions. I, I don't think the, the squad in general's went backwards. It's is it have you improved greatly in what was there last year? I think in terms of Ojo, for me. There's a lot of sort of similarities to the way it was when Kent came in last year. It maybe took him a few weeks to find his feet and get confident and, and get up to the, the full speed in terms of playing at Ibrooks and the, again that pressure of you being a first team player and you know every game's got to be a victory and you know no half measures. But what's impressed me about Ojo is that Will's finding his feet. He has contributed goals. He has contributed assists in the way that perhaps Ryan Kent didn't do for, you know, the first wee while when he was there. So if there's more to come from him, that would be encouraging from my point of view. And I think, you know, Jared has already said uh, a few weeks ago, obviously before Sunday's game, that he felt there's a lot more to come from the team. And I think there is too. You know, I think Aribo, the more he gets settled in and gets used to the demands and the expectations of being a Rangers player, should grow if, if he switches on like that. I mean, I think the concern would be, is he going to turn out to be an Ajaria type figure who is just so languid and laid back that he never really fully, you know, gets going and gets up to full speed. But if he can get the uh, understand that, especially in games like Sunday's old firm games, that you can't go and try to dink the ball over Scott Brown. It's a 50-50. You have to go through the man, take the man and ball and worry about where the ball ends up afterwards. Then I think you've got the basis of something that could be promising. Again, as much with anything dangerous, it's about talent. Is maybe talents maybe what fifty percent of the of the of the formula. The rest of it is all about what's between the ears. And if you're not attuned to the the mental pressures of playing for Rangers, then you're going to struggle. It's a good point. I think that I think the thing is, and and what the maybe surprising to the new boys is that the likes of on on Thursday when um, maybe Jory Bo and. Shiojo maybe didn't have the best games, but because it, it turned out to be a fantastic night and result for the club, you know, it, it kind of elevated. Nobody really worried about the form that they were in. Chris, c- coming on to, obviously, Sunday, a major disappointment. The three that, that Stephen went in the midfield with, um, Kamara, Davis and Jack, were the three that performed really well on 
the 2-0 victory um, just a couple of months back. On Sunday, we, we simply didn't perform. Um, I spoke with, yesterday with Michael Beale very shortly, and he said that it was more down to the players just not performing than it was to any tactical changes. To me, the difference between that was that back in the 2-0 game, the likes of Ryan Kent was an outball for Rangers, and that um, when Conor Golson had the ball, he had nobody to hit, and we quite often it was going back and forward along along the um, the defence. And Celtic for the first time were happy for Rangers to have possession. Do you think that the the way we set up on Sunday was a mistake? And also, with regards to talking about Joey Rebo and the, and him coming in, he's he's done so well in the middle three. Um, is it more of a case of it either needs to be him in there? or Scott Arfield in there, or even Greg Doherty in the three, because the three on Sunday were too similar and perhaps didn't work? I think Sunday kind of goes down to both sides of it. I don't think the team was set up correctly, but too many of the players just, just didn't turn up. I think if, if more players had been seven or eight out of ten, the system wouldn't really have mattered as much. Now, but when the team came out, a lot of the, uh, the press boys in the press room I basically said, why is, why is not playing any wingers? No, you, you have to try and get at the two Celtic uh, fullbacks. Um, and I think the way that Stephen set it up, I could see what he was trying to do. It didn't work. And by the time he then got to half time and also tried to change it and bring Ojo in, the momentum was really with Celtic at that stage. And even though the team then looked more like I thought it would have done pre match, it's then hard to get yourself into the game. I think the starting default over Morelos was a mistake as well. As you I say, there's no there's no out ball there. The Rangers were uh, happy to, as you said, happy if Rangers to have the ball at the back. They got so far uh, with it. Neither then had to go back, make a mistake like Conor Golson did. They didn't really have the, the chance to get up the park and there was no real support to the foe. I think if you have Morelos there, he offers you more as a as a key target through the middle. So I think I, I think Stephen will learn quite a lot from it. I think we've seen that Aribo probably can't play Certainly against Celtic and perhaps in the bigger games, can't really play that that line up uh, and is then better as the midfield three. Um, but I think Sunday boys mainly down to too many guys just, just didn't perform. I thought Steve Davis did okay. Ryan Jack was kind of okay. Not not terrible, but not great. Kamara did, didn't have a good game at all. He's really been off the boil in the last couple of weeks for whatever reason. Um, and then you look at the guys further forward. Aribo contributed uh, very little. Arfield couldn't really get into it. I think the the international breaks probably come at a good time for him to give him a bit of a break. And as I was saying, no, Defoe had, had no support and very few chances. So I think Stephen got it wrong, but I think the players need to, to hold their hands up to that as well. Moving um, moving on to, to the big one of the summer and Ryan Kane, it it's really has been, and Chris and Andy, you'll, you'll both know this, the amount of times that this deal has been apparently close, apparently done, Apparently, you know, Rangers were going to do it, um, and then it's been dead. And, and this has really been the the Rangers transfer saga of the summer. There, there's always there's always one come the window, and Ryan Kent's been it. Um, we were told, obviously, a couple of weeks ago that it was, you know, it was very much dependent on beating Warsaw and, and going through, and then we would we would try and make a move for a, a loan, a loan to buy, which. Um, Liverpool quickly knocked out the park and, and we were told then it would, it would need to be you know, a, a permanent transfer. 
Chris, we got we got the nod on on Sunday night that it was it was game on, and those that that follow the Twitter would have followed our, our tweet that said tomorrow would have been a better day. There was two reasons I did that because at a time where we we'd been in this position with Ryan Kent so many times that I didn't want to put anything out and and risk it not being true because Kent was he's, he's pretty much the one that not only all the support did but but Gerard wanted as well, um, and he, he's pretty much. I think the club look at him as, as being the game changer, certainly for paying that amount of money. Were you surprised, Chris, that Rangers paid seven million for Ryan Kent? A lot of people asking um, today. I mean, there's a question there: seven million on Ryan Kent could it or should it have been spent elsewhere on the team, or is he the one that we really, really needed? I think seven million for Ryan Kent is quite a lot, but only because seven million for Rangers right now is a lot of money. It's also the second biggest transfer that they've paid. As I said on Twitter yesterday, I think it's a real statement of intent for Rangers. Kent has been the one that Stephen Gerrard has wanted throughout the whole summer since the end of last season. And even when over in progress, he knocked it back before the Mitchell in game, he knocked it back. Since then, it's been knocked back, it's been played down. I've always had the feeling that Rangers would go back in, they would make one last attempt and they would eventually, they would eventually get the deal done for Ryan Kent. So I'm not surprised that he's here. Perhaps a wee bit surprised at how much they've paid. I thought they might be able to get them for five or so, maybe. But Liverpool have certainly stuck to their guns. I think from their point of view, they've got a really good deal. If you look at six and a half, seven million pounds fee, add-ons and uh, the uh, 20% sell-on fee as well. I think Liverpool have done as well as they were ever going to do out of it. But I think from Rangers' point of view, it's a big psychological boost. As much as Kent comes in and he makes the team better, he also makes the squad a lot better. I think now you saw the reaction from the, the Rangers fans last night. Sunday was, was quickly forgotten about. Everybody's just delighted that Ryan Kent's back. And while there's a lot of pressure on him in terms of the transfer fee and the expectation, and people now expect him to be the guy to try and win Rangers the league, I think he's the type of character that will, that will thrive under that. He's had one season here. He knows all about the club. He knows the team. Obviously knows and enjoys working under Steven Gerrard. And if he can repay... The faith that the manager and the club have shown in him, it should have been a really, really good season. Before we we discuss, obviously the kind of the more in depth stuff about Ryan Kent's transfer and, and how it kind of came down yesterday, um, and a couple of guys are asking online. Nathan asks and and Stuart Brown asks, what would your your kind of front three be now, um, and, and would you keep Arfield in there, or would you be tempted to go back to to two wide men? Um, if we're taking it as looking as Ryan Kent, seven million pounds going to be in there, and I think that he is a level above anything that we've had. Um, I know that he kind of um, his stats weren't the best, but I think if you look at last season, the stats don't tell you everything. Even if you look at the the two one defeat at Celtic Park, where Tavs mistake kind of caught us, the amount of trouble he cost um, caused that Celtic defence was was unbelievable. And and he has something that maybe Ojo and Jones don't have. Ojo and Jones are more. Um, kind of pacey and direct he's got actual skill step overs and things to go by <laughs> men. he's a wee bit more intricate do you, you think remember back up to the, the game at Pataudry as well the one where Morelos scores that good goal that he did I mean he was fantastic that night again that was again sort of shows you the how sometimes stats don't tell you the whole story because he was perhaps playing the ball before the assist and, and things like that um, yeah I mean to, to answer the, the question you, you were saying earlier on, I mean, I don't think it's as, as straightforward as saying who's your f- first choice front three because 
uh, Gerard will tell you it's horses for courses basically. So in certain games, it's going to require our field to come in and give you that work rate. But in other games, it will be right. We can go. We can put two wingers out wide and, and just go at them. Um, but what I think is uh, with our field, Ojo and Kent, you've you've now got options. I mean, I think that's what gives you. If you're a Rangers fan, gives you gives you encouragement is that there's. Perhaps last season where it was a bit either it was you know you had Kendias and one side Kent and the other side if that wasn't working then you were on to plums whereas I think that this time um, there's certainly different ways that you can line up and and, and try and go at teams differently yeah, in a different way. So going back now to the the kind of Ryan Kent deal and. Obviously, ourself, Chris, I obviously kind of speak to you quite a lot about transfers and things like that. Um, I don't think anybody will be more delighted that the transfer window is closed than, than us, probably, the amount of times that we, we chase stories and things like that. But we obviously got word on Sunday night, um, £7 million, and it, Rangers very quickly knocked it on the head and said, nope, absolutely not happening. The story comes about then that he's going to Bruges, which was something that we had actually spoken about just after the Celtic game. Um, I got wind of that and we kind of spoken about that a wee bit. Um, as the day goes on, um, I think Jim White announces it kind of after um, one of the, the press boys down in Liverpool and then £7 million, pounds, you realise that the information we had was, was game on. Um, and then it comes to roughly kind of seven o'clock and we get word that the deal's done, medical's passed. Um, the medical was actually down in, in Manchester, which is why there was such a gap in between that and the announcement. Um, in between that, we were kind of limbo a wee bit. Rangers do what they normally done, and we've been here before because I remember when Jake Hasty the deal was done for him, that was on the Monday afternoon, Rangers said it was imminent, and they announced it on the Thursday. Mm. So it, it didn't really come as a surprise to, to kind of anyone that, that deal with this. Um it was somewhat surprising, um, shall we say, of how it came about that we were kind of nerves were settled when Ryan Kent's brother Casper um, <laughs> put out a wee 10 second video from his Instagram, which I think it's fair to say that only Rangers fans could get so excited about a £7 million player and completely lose their train of thought and make his brother Casper number one trained. On in, on Twitter for his Instagram. What um what did you make of that whole scenario? Well, I'm I'm due to go to Japan uh, a week on a Thursday to go for the the Rugby World Cup. So I'm out there for six weeks. So I'm hoping to catch up with the, the bold Casper. See if he can show me some of the sites of Japan because he's his Instagram's eye opening. Let me put it that way. Um. But it's just it was a, it was hilarious last night. Really, you know, Twitter at its absolute finest. You know, you know some of the the tweets flying about just had you in absolute stitches. I was, I was sitting in bed next to my good lady, and she was passed out. I was trying not to snigger away at the moment because they were absolutely fantastic. You know, really, really funny stuff. Chris, Casper um, Kent, is that the the story of the transfer window? Uh, for those of us that were waiting on Rangers TV, putting out a Ryan Kent interview to try and get it on the front or back pages last night, Casper Kent was a welcome uh, distraction because it, it took our mind off a, a deadline that was very close ticking to, uh, to printing time. Um, 
why why Ryan Kent's deal get announced at midnight? Who knows? It also took a bit longer than expected, but I say the the whole Casper uh, situation, shall we say, has uh, only passed the last hour or so, uh, and o- only a Rangers transfer window could end in in such uh, incredible scenes. <laughs> looking looking back at the transfer window as a whole, as I said, there's been so many kind of transfer stories. Um, there's been some really exciting stories. Uh, we broke one right at the very start um, regarding kind of Rangers chase for kind of Andre Gray and um, Danny Welbeck and things like that. That all very much hinged, hinged on the Alfredo Morelos situation. Would you have swapped Morelos for any of these guys? And looking back on these stories... How how true were they, and and how close to being correct were they at the time? I think a lot of the names that, that you hear, and a lot of the names that come up, are most of them were ones that you can honestly see the see a thinking behind. You can say, well, he, he's he's fit in the team there. That that could be a realistic one in terms of fear wages. Other ones were never going to happen, and there was a few kind of obscure ones over the over the piece as well. When it comes to like Gray and Welbeck and all the other strikers that were linked with, that was only going to happen if Alfredo moved on. If Rangers sold Morelos early on in the window, then obviously had to go and uh, sign a striker. As soon as Stephen Gerrard said last week that Morelos was going nowhere, any striking names that came up yesterday, I noticed the guy Canati come back up again yesterday. As soon as Morelos, it was confirmed that, uh, that Morelos wasn't going anywhere, there was no chance of Rangers signing a striker. They're not going to go and spend that kind of money on a third choice striker to be behind Morelos and Defoe. Uh, I think the the two that they've got, you know, like Craig Stewart and other guys that can come in and, and play a bit of backup. I think the two that they've got are very good options. And I think Stephen, as I said earlier at the start, I think Stephen will be delighted the fact he's managed to hold on to Morelos and, and hold on to Tavernier because losing either of those two would have really weakened the Rangers. And I'm not convinced they could have replaced them adequately. Uh, trying to find a 30 goal a season striker on the, on the wage budget that Rangers have got is nigh on impossible and I think trying to find somebody of, of Tavernier's style to fit into the team but also the role he's now got as captain and, and the role he's got in the dressing room that would have been a huge loss to them so uh, I think uh, the manager were fairly uh, delighted he's managed to hold on to the two of them and, and also knocked down a, a few of the more kind of obscure names that were uh, doing the rounds over, over the last couple of months as well Andy what's the best um transfer story that you've heard from Rangers over the course of the summer? So I think it was a lot, but it was a lot, Lallana, was that this, was that this something? They all seem to emerge into one, but the Lallana one was one that was really sort of caught interest, but you, you just know that these things are never really going to happen. I mean, the, the, the money involved a lot of the time is just so prohibitive. I mean, like the, the things like Daniel Sturridge, I mean, you know, he's on ridiculous sums uh, down south where he was before, before leaving. Um, as much as these, you would love to see these these guys come up to Scotland, and, and especially when all of them are sort of very close to being in their prime, you just know that the finances involved these days just make it really difficult for clubs to, uh, for our Scottish clubs to, to to pull these kind of transfers off. That's why it's you know it's kind of remarkable that Rangers have, have went to the extent of paying this sum for for Ryan Kent. I mean, as much as. Seven and a half million pounds is is pretty much peanuts down south. I mean, it's it's astronomical sums for for us up here, especially given what Rangers have been through in, in recent years. So, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think the Ryan Kent. I mean, as much as he, he was here last year, you know, it shouldn't be 
um, sort of downplayed what, what how much a, a coup it is for Rangers to get him here and for him to be so desperate to come back here. I mean, he, he probably had opportunities opportunities to go elsewhere during the transfer window, but he was determined to come back here. And that says an awful lot about uh, what he's willing to give to, to the cause up here. I think that he'll be desperate to make this this big go uh, this move go well, seeing as he has fought for it. I mean, you know, I mean, Gerard actually said a few a few weeks ago that you know if it was going to happen, it would, it would probably have to be that um, Ryan Kent sort of made the moves himself and, and, and fought for the move and demanded the move, and that seems to be what's precisely what's happened. Chris, um, delving back into a wee bit of of what's been a, another really busy um, transfer window, what's been your uh, favourite stories that um, well probably I've came to, to you with or, or ones that you've heard over the summer um, that we can share now? Uh, there's, there's been a few kind of obscure ones. Obviously, you had, the uh, as Andy was saying, you've had Daniel Sturridge, you've had Lalana. I think James Milner's name bizarrely came up as well. Uh, the... Martin Skirtle's name did the rounds once every three or four days, it seems. There were there's a few of them, uh, and there's there's guys that you were like checking the names out, and word came back, no, the uh, nobody has ever even heard of this guy. So if I've never heard of them, they're certainly not going to be signing them. There's a few kind of obscure ones along the way. That that obscure, I can't even remember their names. Uh, but that just showing you how how these things work now. As as the as the summer unfolds, you're always going to get more more rumours and no, names all. Names obviously pop up, and you get more kind of uh, strange and wonderful and uh, weird ones. But uh, the the whole transfer window seems to have gone on even longer than usual because Rangers started doing their business really early in terms of also getting uh, some of the pre-contract guys and then Alexa Davis going back in well before pre-season. It's taken a long time uh, to finally get to where we are, and uh, Rangers have done their business. The window's shut, uh, so I think uh, your phone will certainly be a lot quieter and mine will certainly be a lot quieter. I think there are a few people at Rangers that are pleased that there's not going to be a handful of names getting fired at them every single day now as well. Some of my favourite stories that, that we've had um, over the summer that we've obviously went and checked out was uh, the early link um, in the window for Stuart Armstrong of Southampton. That was one that we chased. Um, you know, that was that was doing the rounds and, and seemed to be on, on fire story-wise for a for a good 24 hours, and then obviously knocked down, died a death. Um, the other one that, that came up quite recently, which was which was really interesting, um, Borna Barisic potentially going out, out the door to, to Napoli for, for big money, um, for, for really huge money, actually. I think when we were talking about it, we were, we were set to drive them there ourselves. Um, these kind of things obviously didn't materialise. So looking at it now, we've, we've obviously brought in you know, a, a good number of bodies will, will spend upwards of, of 12 million. Andy, on the spot again, has it been a good window for Rangers? Are you happy with where they are? Um, or are you concerned about anything overall? Time will tell. I mean, that's the <laughs> that's the, the wimp's answer on, the, on this one. Um, I definitely think they're as strong as last season. I don't think there's any suggestion that they've, they've uh, went back. I know that there's concerns about, you know, Perhaps the forward areas that they haven't, uh, they don't look quite as strong as we were last year. But I, I think they're okay in that sense. I think, especially Kent coming back. I mean, and I fully expect to see Kent go on another level or two this year. I think Ojo will get better. I think Aribo, if if you can get it drilled into him, what it means and what's required to play at Rangers, I think he's, he's definitely got the 
talent uh, to do it. We've seen that early doors. Left back's an issue. I mean, I think, you know, as we've discussed, um, my concern would be if, if Flanagan's going to play there, he has an inability to, to make the most of attacking situations just because he's so one-sided. Uh, may cause for concern and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see if Rangers would be trying to address that come January but no I mean I think the, you know they've come through the window good shape they, they've managed to get rid of some deadwood the squads a wee bit leaner now it's probably more manageable for, for Gerard to, to work with um, it's, it's just all about getting the new guys and and Jared did say at the start of the season he wasn't looking to overhaul the squad, and he hasn't overhauled the squad in terms of he's not overhauled it. He's starting 11, but there's still been an awful lot of new faces come in. And these guys just need to get used to playing at Rangers, and it is so such an onerous environment in terms of what's expected of you. I mean, if you're uh, Greg Stewart or uh, J- you know, JK as much as he's away now, but if you're coming from these sort of you know smaller clubs, provincial clubs, it doesn't matter if you don't win two or three games in a row. Uh, as long as you pick up a point somewhere on the line and you know, fans will generally be happy enough. But at Rangers, if you're not winning games week in, week out, the fans are in your case. And that's what these players need to get their head around. Um, I hate to go back to Aribo, but he needs to understand with no firm games that you can't just sort of swan about them. You need to be going hell for leather because not so much just from because it'll please the manager because it'll keep the fans inside. And if the fans are backing you, it takes so much of the pressure off him. Just look at Katic. Katic has made mistakes in his time so far, but because the fans are on his side, it buys him that wee bit of grace. And um, I think as long as the guys can get their head around that they have to be at it every single game, then they'll be okay. If they can't get that get to that level, then they'll probably be moved on, as, you, as you've seen a number of guys have been this, this summer. Chris, putting you on the spot as well, um, you know, I love to do it. Before I can I go into can I answer my, my own question myself, summer business, um, where do you think we are? Has it been good business for us? And how do you see the season panning out for Rangers? I think overall, as I said at the start, I think it has been a good window for Rangers. There's areas in the squad they could maybe have, have done a wee bit more in or spent a wee bit more wisely in. There's a couple of guys that have been brought in, not really sure why. If you look at Brandon Barker and uh, Andy King, time will tell what they uh, what they offer o- over the course of the season. But as Andy said, o- overall, they're certainly not any weaker than they were this time last year. They're, I think they're, they're a good bit stronger in terms of squad depth than they were this time last year. Um, I think at the start of the season, when we all did our uh, predictions in the paper, I said that Rangers would win the league. I've not seen anything in the opening weeks of the season to put me right off that suggestion. Uh, and I think that if they don't, they will be closer uh, than they were last season. Uh, and actually, I've been having spoken to the manager out in uh, Portugal in pre-season and uh, his, his pressers over the last few weeks, he knows himself how important the, the start of the season is, how important the start of the season was for them. And he also knows that the Rangers need to win something this year. And I think you'll, you'll see Rangers put in a, a far stronger challenge for uh, the, uh, the Premiership title, the domestic silverware, and we'll wait and see how the uh, European campaign goes, but I think ov- overall it's been an encouraging window for them. It's been a good start to the season for them, uh, and we just need to wait and see how they how they pick up after the international break now. I think a lot of what both of you says um, I agree with. Um, what I would say to answer my own question of whether or not we've we've done enough, 
from my point of view, I'd always said that we were short of something up front. Um, and I would have said that if we hadn't addressed that, then we we would have had problems. Um, I obviously concerned about left back, but I think that um, tinkering slightly with the with the eleven and um, putting somebody properly in front of Flanagan, if it's going to be him, um, will be will be enough. I think that Ryan Kent's massive for the club, um, not only psychologically, as, as, as you boys said, but also think that he he is the, the difference. He is the, the jewel in the crown that we've, we've kind of went on about most of the summer. Um, for me, he's the one that, that, that can do something different. He's the one that can do something special. And if we're playing him in the left, then you've either got Arfield or you've got Ojo or you've got Doherty playing and making those runs. I think that somebody with Kent's intelligence can find him. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, but I think Rangers are in good shape. They're certainly stronger at centre-back. They've held on to Tav. They've held on to Alfredo. Um, I'd like to see Alfredo get the nod, you know, in the league games and in the big matches. And, and if we're going to rotate, I would rather see the full start in Europe now that we're actually in the group stages. Um, that's my own, my own preference. But I think that now's the time that when we get back from the, the break, I think it's it's time to, to kind of put the foot down for Rangers and, and, and we've got a favourable, well, I say favourable, we've said this before and it doesn't quite work out, but we've got a, a run of fixtures that we can certainly go and, um, you know, stamp our authority on. Just to kind of wrap it up, guys, um, before we go, on reflection of, of how the season starts, do you think Stephen Gerrard will be happy overall with the window and to the start of the season? Um, Andy, we'll, we'll come to you on that one. Say again, do you think you'll be happy with the window and the start of the season? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, Sunday's result is obviously a major disappointment. Um, before that, it had been all going swimmingly. There had been signs of concern, I think, in the sense that they have struggled to break down Kilmarnock, uh, St Mern. Um, I think that perhaps feeds in a wee bit of the Sundays. I think Celtic have realised the... If they're not breaking down the likes of these teams, then we don't really do anything different other than just sit in and then hit, it stands to reason we can just hit them in the counter because we're a better counter-attacking team than the, the teams that they're struggling against. Um, so that's something that has to still be addressed and it's a sort of hangover from last season. Um, you're still not getting that wee X factor that's going gonna, gonna to cut teams open. I think that's why Arebo was signed. I think that's what Stuart was signed as well. I think that's what they were hoping for with him. Um, I wouldn't mind to see him just, you know, giving a wee role, something they could find a way of getting him into the team, perhaps through the middle, the way he was at his best when he was at Kilmarnock. That's effectively one of his move back to, to Rangers. So I, I, I find it strange that he's still been sort of shunted out to this sort of wider position where he, he struggled when he was at Aberdeen twice. Um, but generally speaking, I think... Yeah, it's been decent. Um, again, run to get run to to the Europa League group stages. Uh, I just don't think that should be underestimated how difficult uh, a feat that is, and to do it two years in a row is really impressive. But in the day, this season for Rangers is all about you know, if not winning, if not stopping Celtic, then certainly getting as close to them as possible. And Sunday was a concern. Uh, they'll need to when they go to Parkhead come uh, Christmas time. They will need to be a lot more at it by the time they get to there and possibly come up with a way that they can they can get take points from that game. So yeah, it'll it'll be satisfied, 
but I don't think he'll be Stephen Gerrard. That means I don't think he'll be delighted. I think he'll realise that there's more that can come from this team, and he'll he'll be striving to make sure that does happen. And what about you, Chris? What's your um, overall thoughts on season starts and and what you think Gerrard will be thinking at this point? I think he'd be fairly content. He's he, he doesn't seem the type of guy that even if they had even if they had one on Sunday. He's not a type of manager or to get ahead of himself, to get carried away. If they had won on, on Sunday, that would have been the perfect start to the season for Rangers in terms of uh, domestically and obviously, as Andy was saying, the, uh, the European run, which was terrific again. I think he'll, he'll be fairly content with the business that they've done. He'll be pleased with how the team have performed. Certainly be pleased with the results, Sunday aside. Uh, but the, the big thing for them last season was consistency, and that's something that they really need to to show over the next few weeks now, uh, between really now and the next international break, and then between that break and the, uh, the Celtic game at Christmas time, Rangers really need to go and show that they've got that kind of mark of champions, if you like. Now you look at the games coming up, uh, Livingston, St. Johnson, Livingston again in the League Cup, Aberdeen at Ibrox, which was a tricky one for them last year, Hamilton at Ibrox. That takes up to the middle of October. You've got a couple of European game uh, fixtures in there as well. So it's a big period coming up for Rangers, there's a lot of big games a lot of big performances needed and if they can go and put together another run and show that they've got that mentality that they can as Andy was saying, string off win after win after win, if the new boys can show that, if the older experienced guys like Sir McGregor and Davis can get that mentality in the squad I think they'll be in a good position in 6, 7, 8 weeks time uh, but it's all about taking things in, in small chunks for Rangers, now they can't they get too far ahead of themselves, uh, despite what has been a fairly encouraging start to the season. There's still a lot to be done. Um, I think a uh, Rangers fans should be fairly encouraged. I think Stephen will be fairly encouraged. Uh, but also, it's a big, another big few weeks coming up for everybody at Ibrox. I'd like to thank um, both Andy Newport um, of the PA News Agency and Chris Jack, senior sports writer for the Evening Times and the Sunday Herald Group for coming on. Um, podcast tonight it was a bit impromptu normally we have a, a, a former player um, things on but I just uh, we thought we would do a wee transfer window uh, podcast to kind of discuss what, what we've done in, in the business um, that, that Rangers have done so thanks to both the lads um, for coming on thanks as ever to um, our sponsor G4 Claims who um, continue to help us produce the podcast and um, to the main men um, at Jersey Stuart Franklin and uh, Graham the editor who without these guys we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be doing it um, and to all you guys for listening um, to all the guys that came to our live show that have, have helped us um, kind of kick back to the Rangers Youth Development Company we've we've now raised £12,000 for them and none of it none of it could be done and none of four lads wouldn't have any success if it wasn't for you guys out there Sunday was difficult for the Rangers support it was a horrible result. It was a bad performance. But at the end of the day, it's one game. We're four games in. We've made tremendous strides already this season. And we've already qualified for another campaign. We've made good inroads um, in the summer. And we've made big signings. So all I would say to the sport out there is, yes, yeah, Sunday was tough. Sunday was difficult. But all is not lost. It's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, Rangers are in are in good shape, and it's it's up to us now to get behind the, the guys, get behind the management, get behind the club, and get back on it. The next one, um, Livingston at home, 
So on that note, um, just a huge thank you for everybody for listening. And as ever, until next time, ignore the nonsense, the irrelevant and the noise. Thank you.